There's a new podcast app that delivers chilling true crime stories straight to your mobile device. Every day they release a new episode that investigate the gruesome true acts of America's worst serial killers. And you can explore into the minds of psychopaths and murderers. To get started, find and download Murder Minute from the App Store or visit MurderMinute.com. That's M-U-R-D-E-R-M-I-N-U-T-E.com to get your daily dose of true crime creepiness delivered straight to your mobile device. It's a good show. Howdy, you motherfuckers. Welcome to We'll See You in Hell. Yee-haw! It's time to rope a dope around some horror flicks and sci-fi films. Ouch. Ouch. And afterwards, we'll get some cold sarsaparilla and wash it down with a slap of go fuck yourself. <laughs> and now on with the boys uh, along the ranch. <laughs> Smooth as silk. I've never been smooth. Uh, folks, let's get on with the show. And at the same time, on with the holiday Joe. Holiday Joe. Woof, woof, woof. Woof, woof, woof. Lindsey Buckingham. I'm going to start it the way we started last week. Hold on. Lindsey Buckingham. Here we go. Sure. Crack a fine brew. Coors Light. There's mine. You say last week, but we're actually just recording them back to back. So this is our second beer of the afternoon. <laughs> uh, Before we fun. go to a, a bar with Vince Averill. Yeah. This is what people, this is when you know you and your friends might have an issue. Vince is like, hey guys, uh, I see they're serving hamburgers at this bar today. We should go try them out. It's like, yeah. it's like, well, we can get burgers anywhere. Yeah. But we're like, that sounds fun, Vince. Okay, let's go try these burgers. Well, I now am under so much extreme duress during the week that the weekend comes and I have to kind of get out of my head. Uh, I do not allow myself to drink or indulge during the week. I can't work the schedule I'm working and also be hung over or whatever else. So I'm, you know, as a lover boy, I believe, used to sing, everybody's working for the weekend. And, That's and I, right. I myself am doing the same. And as uh, they said in the film, lover boy, Patrick Dempsey, I'm going to go fuck this old lady for <laughs> pizza money. Uh, I used to watch the movie all the time on Channel 11, edited. Loved it. And uh, I could even crank one out to it, edited. I'll tell you that much. It is erotic. It, it is my fantasy. That was my fantasy growing up. Like, yeah. like gorgeous older women, like paying this teen kid to have sex with them, and like, yeah. I was like, this is amazing, man. Those movies were a dime a dozen. You can't even find a movie anymore about paying a young boy to fuck an old lady, <laughs> and I think it's a shame. You can't find a movie about pizza anymore either. That's true. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the Ninja Turtles. Was probably the last uh, big franchise about pizza. Well, well, I wouldn't say that was about pizza. To me, it was. You thought it was a metaphor for pizza. I thought. I think everything's a metaphor for pizza, folks. Today we're talking about tales from the hood. 
I think a, an unjustly underrated film that we'll get to later on. But um, one of many tales from places. Yes, people like when the tales come from a place. <laughs> yeah, the no dark one just side. Likes uh, standalone tales. Yeah, you need to the, know the crypt. Origin. Yeah, the hood. Uh, the an, deep. An, an American tale. <laughs> yeah. The, the tales have to come from a place. Yeah. Where are you getting these tales? <laughs> That's the big question. I need you... to know where the tales are coming from. <laughs> I couldn't give heads or tales about where these tales are. Uh... I lost it. <laughs> I lost it. Um, I watched Seinfeld the other night on uh, uh, Colbert. Okay. Boy, it was making me laugh. It's He still makes me laugh, really. He still makes me laugh. He doesn't give a fuck. Who doesn't make me laugh, who did for years, is Colbert. Yeah, I know. It's too repetitive at this He's point. Like, I mean, it, it, it's in a weird way. I bet Seinfeld is 20 years older than Colbert, and he seems younger. Yeah. Colbert feels like one of your dad's friends now. I guess it's probably this fucking CBS that he's on. But um, but Seinfeld did the Hungry Man bit. Yeah. Which I love. I love the Hungry Man. He goes, he goes every box says Hungry Man. Yeah. Because they were at the meeting going, all right, we're not going to do anything about the quality of the food. We've established that. <laughs> Let's focus on marketing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Very funny. I, uh, for a long time, my Instagram was basically just like comments on advertising. When Instagram started, and I, I would always do it in a Seinfeld voice in my head. My favorite was the, uh, it was like got HIV and it was three chimps like covering their eyes, their ears, and their mouth. And a neon background. And it said, you probably got it from one of us. <laughs> no, I was just like, uh, you know, like the m- marketing executive comes in the meeting and is like, guys, what uh, what billboard image do you think would really convey the horrors of the AIDS virus? And then everyone around the table in unison goes, neon chimps. <laughs> Had a little, a strong Seinfeld influence. I, I love the man. And I, and I... I'm a fan. He's the kind of guy who, like, Alt people will occasionally start to build up a little backlash for, but the backlash is just because he has so much money. He's uh, he's funny as fuck. And I always say too, when somebody goes, somebody goes, "Oh, that style is so dated." Where I go, "Yeah, so was Sinatra." Yeah, y- you're allowed to have comedy from different eras that that echo of a different time. It, it's still right. good. They don't play jazz music on the radio anymore. Does it mean a, a, a new band playing jazz music or modern band playing jazz music sucks? Well, yes. Come on, all you know, all modern jazz sucks. That was a bad example. No, but. I'm saying if they're playing like this, the 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 classic classic jazz. I'm not okay. talking about like do 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 I don't mean that kind of shit. Ken G. Let me ask you this: Do you think Kenny G would have been as successful if he had gone by Ken G? I think people would have gotten confused <laughs> and thought that he was some sort of Asian man, or. Uh, a brother of Benji, the beloved pooch. Yes, we're an Asian Benji. Not even a reaction from Khan when I said Benji. You think no. she would have perked no. right up. Let me just clarify. Is Khan a Benji? I think so. Yeah. I don't mean anything against the fine people of Asia. <laughs> just saying Kenji sounds like an Asian name. I feel like there was a, uh Asian animated film years ago called Kenji. Or what was that? Kubo and the Two Strings? That was Kamal Nanjiani, that movie was called. <laughs> Uh, and it was about a young, uh, beautiful young woman whose dream was to be on TV and had to dress as a man to do so. Okay. 
No, because that's what that, that movie's about how she wants to. I know the movie you're talking Kubo? about. Huh? Kubo and the Two Strings? Is that what I'm thinking of? No, you're talking about the Disney movie where the gr- the girl has to dress up as a guy so she can fight. That's Mulan. That's, isn't that what you're talking about? No. I was talking about Kubo oh, and the Two Strings. That's why I was making the joke that he had to dress up as a man to, I gotcha. to go on TV. Mulan. And by the way, why not Moo Man? She's dressing up like a man. <laughs> Folks. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're talking today about Tales from the Hood. Before we get there, I'd love to take you over to Path Movie Corner, if I may. And, no, you may not. Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm doing all things from over the hiatus because I haven't watched anything in a while. But I watched on HBO uh, the Tom Cruise, Doug Liman directed vehicle, American Made. I love that movie. I thought it was great. Very cool, very fun, very well done. I mean, Cruz doesn't have a lot of fucking misses. <laughs> oh, he's very good. You know, like, it was, it's, uh, I guess Lyman also did Edge of Tomorrow. It's not that good, but it, it's a very entertaining movie and really a perfect, like, Sunday afternoon HBO Go. So if you have HBO, check it out. And when the hook of the movie becomes he's done so much illegal shit, he wants to go to jail yeah. because he's going to get killed if he's not in jail. When the hook is fully realized, you know, and he's in that like, court hearing in the last, like, 20 minutes, and they're like, you're free to go. And he's like, I'm free to go. Like, yeah, <laughs> because he he's just begging to be arrested. Yeah. It, it's very funny. It's a yeah. very funny movie. Good moment. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I rewatched. My two for this week are rewatches. I rewatched Young Guns. I have not seen that movie since it was new. Never seen either of the Young Guns pictures. Uh, it made me realize how awesome of an actor Emilio Estevez is. Always liked him. He's awesome. He's yeah. really, really good. And I'm like, Gordon Bombay, baby. Huh? Gordon Bombay. Who the hell is Gordon Bombay? Coach Bombay of the Mighty Ducks. Oh, I never saw the Mighty Ducks. Really? Yeah, I was like 15 when it came out. I'm going to go watch a bunch of nine-year-olds play hockey. It's really good. I'm sure it is. It you know. opens with, people forget this, Emilio Estevez, Gordon Bombay, getting a DWI. Oh, really? And the cop comes up and he goes, breath, blood, or urine? And Estevez goes, no, thank you, I just ate. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's a very funny movie. Um, Young Guns is a, is a great, you know, it's a, it's a loose biopic about Billy the Kid. They say, Some historians have said it is actually the most accurate depiction of the events that supposedly happened in his life. Now, who are these historians? I read it on Wikipedia. Okay. I think his name was Jake something. <laughs> uh, Jake and the Fat Man. But uh, but it's a fun movie. It's it's an awesome fun movie. Uh, you know, Lou Diamond Phillips, Charlie Sheen. Um, are they all playing figures of the day? Real figures? Well, one guy is actually Pat Garrett, but the other guys I don't think were actually... Like, Kiefer Southern plays this guy Doc something, but it's not Doc Holiday. Okay. Um, so I don't think so. I think it's sort of like this is just a gang of guys he was running with. Did Bon Jovi do this music for both or no, just, just for the second? Blaze of Glory. Yeah. Um, so it's a Shot lot of fun. Um, in a blaze of jewelry. <laughs> And, a bonus. A Jonas? A bonus Jonas. <laughs> and you're really rooting for them in the movie. Yeah. It, it's th- that was the most interesting part of the film to me was it, uh, and I didn't remember this aspect of it, it doesn't, you know, you hear about Billy the Kid, all you think is, oh, he's the kid that killed all these people. It depicts him way more as a guy sort of 
a loose cannon, sure, but a guy rebelling against a very corrupt yeah. uh, uh, sheriff and whatnot. So, so you're, you are rooting for them through the movie to win. And uh, you'll just have to watch to see if they do. And I'll, look, I'll just do both of mine in a row. Who is, is the villain? Jack Palance. Oh, nice. Yeah, so he's always great yeah. for a villain. Um, and then I watched Young because Guns. Because you are my number one guy. And I. It's from Batman. Yeah. Um, I also watched Young Guns 2, which opens with an old Emilio Estevez. Uh-huh. As a man claiming he is the is Billy the Kid, and he wants to be turned over. He wants to be taken into custody. Old age makeup? In. Yeah, and it's actually not bad makeup. Okay. Um, and that's a real thing that happened. Like, a guy in the 50s or 40s did it. Like, a news reporter met with this guy that said, I'm Billy the Kid. Yeah. And they couldn't prove it, whether he was or wasn't. But um, And then they go into the, you know, the sort of the second phase of the Billy the Kid story or whatever. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland returns... Christian Slater is now added to the mix in the second one. Okay. Uh, they recast Pat Garrett. I forget with who. And uh, Balthazar Getty, and what I believe is not his first role, but one of his earlier roles. Yeah. What happened to that guy? I would imagine drugs. I, I don't know. That was a, an age of drugs. Well, anyway, the second one's fun. It's not as good as the first one, but it's you know it's fun to check out. Balthazar Getty was like in Lord of the Flies, right? That was his first movie, I believe. He looks good. The The producer half of rap duo The Wow. So I guess that's what he got into. I guess. All right. You got one more? Uh I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna split the diff because I've seen the I've seen half of two seasons of HBO shows. The first half of Sharp Objects, which I briefly mentioned last week. So far, it is Amy Adams driving around drinking vodka, <laughs> uh, and I'm I'm here for it. I'm enjoying it. She's she fills uh, an Evian bottle with vodka, gets behind the wheel. How big's the bottle? It's uh it's bigger than the small. But oh, so she's bringing around like the liter bottle. Drinks it. Drinks warm vodka with no ice, no mixer, just and no no even wince on her face. Uh, every time you see her, she's surrounded by vodka bottles. They do a scene where. She walks into a uh, liquor store, buys a bottle of vodka, and as she walks away, they cut to the salesman looking at his watch, and it's like 8 a.m. It's fun to me. Uh, you know, I think uh, Heather, my wife, was more disturbed by it. I kept laughing at all the drunk stuff. <laughs> who, uh, who amongst us hasn't been there? But uh, it's that's basically all it is. I think there's like some really disturbing revelations coming. She's a cutter. There appears to be some molestation in her past. Her mom is played by the great uh, Patricia Clarkson, mm-hmm. who is very, very cold and like just basically tells her daughter, like, I don't love you. Other things that were making me laugh that I think Heather was troubled by. <laughs> but um, And it's the young girl, the girl from It. Yeah, that's right. Is young 80. By the way, perfect casting. They look identical, yeah. Yeah, way better than the Jessica Chastain casting yes. as the older version of her in in the It movie. They look identical. Um it's shot very well. It's the guy who did Big Little Lies, which I was just as into as anybody else. I thought that was a fantastic program. And um you know, it's slow. I guarantee it's going to be too slow for some, but I like depressing shit. I like watching people self-destruct. Um so I I'm into it. 
And uh, the only issue I have is Chris Messina, an actor I've normally liked, is unbelievably miscast as like a hard drinking uh, detective. That's her love he interest. He's really bad in it. I think he was in Vicky Victoria Barcelona. Vicky Christina who'd Barcelona. Who did he play in that? He was the fiance. Okay. Likeable right. actor. He's just he's not right for this part. He has no edge to him at all, and he, it's pretty awkward actually. Adams is great. It's a good show. And then I'm also halfway through Succession, uh, which everyone I know has been talking about. They say it starts out slow but gets great. I'm halfway through. It's starting to get great. I didn't think it was that bad the first few, to be honest with you. Um, they're really good. I mean, they're not. They don't slip into like the classic uh, Sopranos, Deadwood, Six Feet Under, HBO pantheon. But uh, Succession is really entertaining, and Brian Cox is awesome in it. There's a awesome scene where Brian Cox uh, is like he's been in a coma, and he's like brings his son closer, and his son's like bragging about something he did. He's like, "I'm taking care of the family business, Pop." You know, like mm-hmm. and he waves him over, like, like, "Come here, come here." So then he gets up and gets in close so he can talk, and he goes, "You're." Uh, fucking idiot <laughs> i just loved it i i thought it was awesome it's the guy the the guy who's less famous uh who writes like uh the thick of it and all those british shows with armando Iannucci and uh adam mckay directed the pilot i recommend it you know they, these are these are good programs all right what do you think about doing a few deadlines from the scream nn news psycho I'd love to hear some. Well, we got two here that uh, that that connect and and I think warrant some discussion because they are movies that fall into uh, our our pantheon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Charlie's Angels have both been given reboots again. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the, the franchise, signed a new deal. For a TV series and a reboot movie, Charlie's Angels, the reboot, is already in motion, and it's going to star Kristen Stewart. And my question to Hollywood Kristen is... Kristen Stewart is so not that. It's, why can you not let these miserable fa- franchises die? Texas Chainsaw Massacre had its moment. They have tried now three times to get it going again. Right. They have failed every time. Right. The best of the efforts was the Jessica, um, uh, what's her name? Beale. Hated Beale uh, remake of the original. Uh, the, 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 the prequel to that, the beginning, was not very good. The Texas Chainsaw 3D was an abomination. And I didn't even see Leatherface because I heard it was so fucking bad. Right. Uh, let it go. Yeah. Let it go. We got three good movies out of them. One, two, and three. Four sucked. Never saw three. Three with McConaughey? No, that's four. Okay. Terrible. Um, I mean, the the thing is, like, they're like, well, there's money to be made from the name or whatever. But is there? They that's released one know. last year that, ne- to my knowledge, never even made a dime. They, I, they keep bombing over and over. So what is the rationale? And who on God's earth, by the way, is is still... That's what I mean. These these are franchises that began in the seventies, right? Who? What young? 
woman out there is going, I'm just gunning for a Charlie's Angels movie. They want to see new shit. Give them new shit. And also, young women don't like Kristen Stewart. I, I, I like her. I think uh, she's a fairly solid actress, but young women don't like her. They think she's boring. She's uh, painfully boring. Are they going to be in like bikinis and stuff, or is it a modern feminist look at it? I because have, then why are you doing Charlie's Angels, which was a show about women jiggling in bikinis? I have no idea. I have no idea. There's it, no way they're doing it that way. Like even like they did the uh, the ones in the 2000s, which I thought were kind of fun. Um, I mean, the first one had some merit. The second one was, you know, that's what I mean. It's like Crispin Glover was fun. There's a reason there wasn't a third one. Yeah, you know, they did that full throttle one that fucking uh, did. Mick G direct that one too. He did the worst name in history. Yeah. Um, it's like, look, there would have been more. Clearly, think- it was time to stop. Like, wh- why? Why do you have to keep doing this every ten years? Stop it. Let these things go away. None of the. Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies other than one in 1973 has made any money. Uh, I if think they made this... money, they made a, a you know a million or something. I think the second one probably did because they did do a third one. The third one flopped, I know. But the third yeah. one's actually pretty good. Um, but again, it's just... It, it... It, it, this is this is just stupid. It's just so stupid at this point. You're not talking about... Marvel Comics or DC Comics or or Star Wars or you know you're not talking about these timeless brands that can conceivably be reworked or not. Right. Not saying they don't fail, um, but you know this is like oh we're gonna reboot the A Team. What? Why? Yeah. Wait, they're rebooting it again? No, I'm just saying oh, like this, okay. this, this these two to me are like if they were gonna do that. It's like leave it alone. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw, look, I'm sorry, I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The original, is, to me, is one of the best top ten horror films ever made. Yeah. This is not Nightmare on Elm Street, guys. I'm sorry. It's not Friday the 13th, either. It's not even Hellraiser. Let's be honest. This is not as iconic as those movies. Why do they keep beating this fucking thing into a ground, especially when it's, when it's a premise that relies on the mystery of the family, once you know too much about the family, it's not fucking scary anymore. The mystery of who are these people? Why do they live like this? What are they doing in this house? How do they control this town? What is going on? Is there any way to escape? That's what makes it scary. You know, you guys are trying to do like a fucking Matrix thing with this where you're going to explain every aspect of the fucking blue pill world or whatever. And it's like, no, now it sucks. Yeah. It's boring. Who cares? I don't didn't, care anymore. Didn't like it when the Matrix did it either. Yeah. I'm watching a guy out here supervise, and he's a strong-looking guy. He's supervising his girlfriend putting a giant chest of drawers into a truck (laughs) alone. Is she a strapping lady? or She looks like she's handling it okay, but he's literally watching and, like, giving performance notes instead of grabbing the other end of the... uh... Anyway, be nice to your your partner. Help them out. Maybe she wanted to do it. Maybe she... I got it! I'm strong too. Uh, maybe that's like, all right, I don't know. All right. Maybe that's happening. I'd love to date somebody like that. I never sure. have to lift anything. Self sufficient. The uh I don't like lifting. I want things lifted for me once in a while, you know? Sure. Is that so bad? I uh you know, I used to be a friend to be like, Hey, can you help me move or whatever, stuff like that. I love that I am now at an age where everyone knows not to ask me help them move. 
I'd rather uh, throw you a hundred dollars and say go get, go buy a mover. Yeah, I have no problem saying no. Leave me alone. There's right, no well, way. But I'll give you pizza and beer if you do. No, take that money, buy a mover, and don't call me again. You know what I say? I say take that money and shove it up your ass. Sure. What do I look like? Sure. What do I look like? I, I say, hey, do you see the word sucker written across my forehead? Right. There's a reason all those guys have back braces, you know? They're they're setting themselves up for, for a life of pain. Um. Anyway, fuck moving. Not fuck movers. moving. Fuck reboots. Uh, most reboots. Most reboots, yes. And Mostly let's talk, reboots. Joe, about the film at hand, Tales from the Hood. Well, you know what? We're a little ahead of schedule. Could I squeeze a scary stuff in? I know Please. I said well, Did you have another scream, scream line? No, it was those two reboots okay. together. Those two were two stories. But a quick scary stuff uh, for, you know, guys, you know how much I shit on Marvel comics and Marvel movies on this podcast. You are well aware that I am no Marvel fanboy, which is going to make what I'm about to say all the more worthwhile. If you got yourself a PlayStation 3 and you haven't played this game, you need to go out and get yourself Wolverine, the Uncaged Edition. X-Men Origins, Wolverine, the Uncaged Edition. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I've never seen Wolverine in a cage. (laughs) Uh, I'm not making a joke. Why why uncaged? He's not caged. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Uh, the original version of this game was just a Wolverine action game, and you ran through as Wolverine, hitting people with your claws and stuff. Mm-hmm. Then, long before the film Logan was, it was even a glimmer in in its daddy's eye. Right. Uh, they made they released a version of this game called the Uncaged Edition, where they added dismemberment and blood. Mm. So it's a video game where you play Wolverine in the storyline of the first Wolverine movie, and you run through absolutely tearing people to shreds, literally. More like in Logan. Yes. Yeah. Decapitations, arms and legs coming off, throwing people into walls, and get, they get impaled with spikes. It is a fucking bloodbath, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. All right. The Wolverine skills are really fun. You could do these lunges where you pounce down like 50 feet onto a man and stab him in the neck with your claws it's just a really wild fun game if you like wolverine at all you'll enjoy this game trust me just trust me get it i think it'll run you maybe i think it's like 15 or 20 bucks used for the ps3 there's a reason that price point is still that high because the game is very good uh a little long a little long, a little tedious after a while, but a lot of fun in spurts. Uh, and it's 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 right up your uh, action, bloody video game alley if you like that sort of thing. I'd like to recommend Wolverine Walmart edition. And this is where he goes through slashing prices. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, and they say, this guy's crazy. Yeah. Have you seen these prices? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, as always, I, I probably won't check that out, but I hope our video game listeners do. Oh, by the way, you know what? You know what a, a young fan of ours asked me the other night at a show. No. Hey, did Pat ever give you the PSVR thing? I didn't. No. I'll give it to you. Have you used it? No. Once? No. 
I'd like it. I don't know how to set it up, but I, I, I will. You, you will give it to me? Yes. Give it to me. And then we call that birthday dinner off the books. Oh, I like that. You've been telling me you're gonna, you want to take me to, to the TAM for a birthday dinner, belated birthday I was going to do it today, and you, you didn't want to do it. So No, no, no. no. You, we were going to do it today. We were going to do a brunch and then record, and you texted me at 9.30 a.m. and said, <laughs> can we do this earlier? It was so past I, 10. So I said, yeah, let's go get breakfast and then do this. I was just like, I don't want to do it at 1. We could have gone to the TAM at 11. They're open at 11. So that's that. Your first meal of the day, prime rib. You're just going to choke that down. First, you first meal of the day. Have to get prime rib. They have a full menu. <laughs> Sorry, prime rib, burger, corned beef. <laughs> I mean, it would it would be what I actually ate. And as I said to Pat at the meal, I thought he was going to pull a fucking banya, yeah, on me and make my pancake meal count as the big meal. Maybe I already have. Uh, you give me, baby. You give me that. I want that PSVR so badly. I'll give it to you. We are square, my friend. All right. You know, just let me play it once. You come over here, you play it, and then you play with my balls. Oh, my God. Would you like that? No. That's I guarantee not virtual I would. reality. That's reality. <laughs> uh, now, I know Joe is a fan of anthology horror. I know Joe likes a movie with a, uh, a social conscience. I'm watching Tales from the Hood for the first time this week, and I was like, Joe, you must love this movie. Joe's like, it sucks. But you did change your mind on this latest viewing, correct? I watched it again last night because I said, Tales you know, too many people who like horror movies tell me this is a really good movie. Yeah. And for some reason, I've always reacted very poorly to it. I always thought it was a little too hokey. And I rewatched it last night through the lens of, this is supposed to be a little tongue-in-cheek. It's supposed to be fun. Because, look, imagine watching that movie seriously, and you got Clarence Williams III being like, oh, yes, <laughs> the shit. I mean, it's it's like you're like, what is happening right He's now? He's filling in for the Crypt Keeper, and the stories themselves, I thought, were very serious. Uh, the stories are very serious, but it was it was that, that threw me off. Look, okay. I was wrong. It was short-sighted of me. I was wrong. I really enjoyed the watching of it last night. It's four stories. And a lot of fun. All all somewhat related to the black experience in America in some way. Yeah, I think the reason I had I brought it up uh, for the show is I've been reading about it a lot tied to Get Out, um, which I think it is sort of a precursor to that. It's, it's horror, but it's treating the black experience in America as horrific, which, you know, by all accounts, it is. Uh, or it can be. And I thought each one was about a really cool issue. I thought each one was done well. And I liked all the performances in them. I thought they were great. I think it's a lot of fun, this movie. My one criticism is it's a little it's a little too on the nose. Of course. Get Out kind of skews the concept enough to the side. This ain't Get Out. No. But it's, you know. So, you know, it's like... I don't need the police officer. I don't. Excuse me. I don't need the the guy that's the activist in the hood yelling at the police officer, going. And as long as cops are dealing drugs, yeah. I'm gonna keep outing them. Just say that you're exposing corrupt cops. Yeah. It doesn't need to be that specific. But well, let's go piece by piece. The stories but are. I do, but I did really enjoy the film. Yeah. the The stories are some. You know, gangbangers are trying to. 
break into Clarence Williams's uh, funeral home. Not even break in. They just get a message from him that he's found a bunch of drugs in okay, an yes. alleyway. So they're going there to make a deal, a drug right. deal. Um, and he winds up, you know, basically, but they're in hell by the end of it. You find out, which I thought was a nice little twist. But uh, he's basically playing Crypt Keeper to introduce your stories. One is, and the stories are introduced out of the. The, the the launch point is the cough. They go into a room. There's a guy in a coffin. He says, yeah, let me tell you a tale about this man. You right. Know, and then it then it goes into the thing. The movie is produced by Spike Lee. Yes. Uh, and directed by Rusty Cundiff, who directed a, a bulk of the Chappelle show and also Fear of a Black Hat, which is a great Hilarious documentary film. about the rap world. And the movie is very well directed. He He, yeah. he plays the suspense really well. Yeah. So the first one is, uh, you know, white cops beating up on a black guy. And, you know, basically they wind up kind of coming back. He comes back as a zombie of sorts to torment them. They piss on his grave. Uh, and then he comes up. and That's an intense scene. Yeah. And then in a final twist, the black cop who didn't stop it is also implicated. That I didn't agree with. Yeah. Because he does try to stop it. Not not. There are th- well. three men that are threatening to kill him. I get it. No, it's, and it's, it's a like, tricky situation. Yes. And he's like, they're like, we're going to take him to the hospital. Let us do that or, 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 or else. And he's like, all right, fine. Just please take him to the hospital. I kind of felt bad for that guy. I was yeah. like, this guy didn't do anything wrong. He just did your bidding for you. He led the dirty white cops back to your grave so you could right. kill them. He he quit the force and became an alcoholic yeah. because he's like, I don't want to be part of this corruption. Right. I didn't think that guy deserved to, deserved to be killed. No. Uh, yeah, there's like a beheading ending and et cetera. Um, two, I believe, is the stepfather story where... Yes. David Allen Greer, my my now co-worker and to me one of the funniest uh, comedic performers ever, is in a very serious role. He's like a sh- he is a Shakespearean trained actor after all, but uh, he's playing a very threatening, menacing stepfather that the boy keeps describing at school as a monster that gives him bruises and etc. And uh, that one I think was probably my favorite and the most effective. It when He's tearing the papers up. It had some really cool effects. Uh, he, but basically, it's like voodoo. Whatever he does is done to the stepfather. It did. Whatever kind of he beg- does to the paper. Yeah, yeah. It kind of begged the question: Why had this not been working in the past? Unless I missed something. Because he he t- he says he just learned it. Just learned it. Okay. The fine. kid says that he goes. So and so told me that if I do this, yeah. I can get rid of my... If I draw my fear on a picture, yeah. on a piece of paper, I can burn it or crumble it, and it goes away. Okay. And then the teacher, of course, is like, well, I don't know if that's going to work, buddy, but hey, whatever you got to do. And then he crumbles the paper of the bully, and then it cuts to the 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 bully kid in like a full body cast being right. pulled off of the playground. Right, right, right. And it's one of my favorite scenes. The teacher walks up. She's a kid, nine-year-old kid on a stretcher. Yeah. Dying. Yeah, every bone in his body's broken, and the teacher just goes, "Well, what happened here?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> yeah, well, he was an asshole. Um, uh, I, I liked uh, I liked that one a lot, and I liked they give it at the end, you know, a line that's clearly designed to like make the theater crack up at the end of an intense story. But 
David Allen Greer is, is basically a, a face lying on a pile of clothes. Right. And he goes, this ain't over yet, bitch. And it, it was very funny. Right. But kind of, you know, throws the rest of the, you know, pretty intense episode under the bus. Um, the third is my favorite, the Corbin Burnson one. Corbin Bur- that was a heavy one, man. It was. It was heavy. And so that is Corbin Burnson is basically uh, winds up being attacked by these dolls that contain the spirit of slaves. Uh, I'm always a sucker for a doll getting revenge on somebody. Yeah. I like killer dolls. Not great effects. I liked it. I like the stop motion effects. I, I think like the stop motion cool. when they went to the CGI of them all like advancing on him. It looked like. You know, like when they'd go driving in a Hitchcock movie and you see the screen flipping behind them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I like this one. I thought it was, um, I thought it, I thought it served, I, they, all, they all serve a, a certain amount of justice to the bad guys, but I just really like the idea, especially after just seeing Black Klansman. Sure. And this, again, a little on the nose, the Gordon Burns plays a politician named Duke. Yeah, who used to be in the clan. Uh, you know, you, you didn't have to call him Duke. We got what you were saying, right? Uh, but anyway, uh, the uh, uh, I, it was just a, it just was a very satisfying comeuppance uh, at the end of this thing, and I love the I love the device. This is this is like totally my kind of horror device. There's a painting in his office of because he lives he he moved into this plantation as sort of an extra fuck you to the black community yeah where all these slaves were killed um and in in the in his office there's a mural of this old woman who carved these wooden dolls and and supposedly transported the souls of the dead slaves into these dolls and throughout the movie as he returns to the room. There's more of them missing from the painting, which means right they're in they're now in real life. Right, and I just love the last shot where he goes in and it's just the woman, and there's all the spaces where the dolls were were empty, and he turns and they're all standing there. That that's a really really great, yeah, great shot. Part, I, yeah. I like the puppets for sure. Corbin Burnson was good in it, but I watched they with all these Scream Factory things. They did a really great documentary on it modern day interviewed everybody and Corbin Burnson is interviewed and he talks about how he gets recognized for it more than anything else but him and the director keep talking about how funny it was and he kept improvising stuff so like when he said when he calls them NIG lets right that was a Corbin Burnson improv and he's like we'd all be behind the camera cracking up I was like if I had that part I can assure you there would be no <laughs> improvisation. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So they talked to Burnson, and he goes, I get a kick out of people you know, coming up to me and calling me Duke and calling me this character's name because it's not me. Then he pauses, and he goes, well, I wrote, it, I wrote down the quote. He goes, you know what? It is me. That character is me. <laughs> He's like a white supremacist. <laughs> then he goes, well, it's not me, but it's definitely in there. And as long as I can just not act on it, then he stops himself again. <laughs> I couldn't believe he let them put this thing on the documentary. <laughs> He's basically saying, like, yeah, at my core, I'm an extreme racist, but and it's a battle to keep it in check. Um, Jesus. Wild stuff. Burnson's got a dark side. 
Did you ever see Bernson's uh, The Dentist horror movie? No, I heard it's actually pretty great, though. Really? I have. Okay. It, I've heard it's. It was on. A, well, it was on a. Li- I watched a show fifty. Fifty scariest horror movies you've never heard of, or whatever, and that was on there. Okay. Then again, Pumpkinhead was at like number two or one, and I'm like, guys, not only have we all heard of it, it's not scary. I ain't seen Pumpkinhead. Uh, it's not scary. Uh, yeah. it's got its moments, but but whatever. Um, and the fourth one was refresh my memory. The fourth one I thought was unnecessarily elaborate for what it was. I mean, the fourth one is essentially... Oh, yeah, I remember what it was. ...a device to to set up and show that the three guys that are in the funeral home actually murdered another gang member earlier that night. Yeah. That's, the, that's basically why it's there. But the story itself is literally just... It's just a ripoff of um, uh, Clockwork Orange. Yeah, it's like it, they're gonna take this really violent gang member. They inc- he gets incarcerated. They go, "You can be rejuvenated, and then and then we'll set you free." And then the 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 therapy for for him becoming you know, a clean soul or whatever you want to call it is like you know his eyes are pinned open and he right. watches all this horrific footage of stuff and it, it's literally a clockwork orange. Yeah, and you know that they're basically he's being punished for, which I thought was interesting, killing other black people and the point yes. of it was you're you're black you're already a minority why are you killing your own kind yeah and they make them watch like all that like clan footage and stuff like that yeah right yeah some really graphic stuff uh it played to me sort of like well i guess you know what now that now that i'm it, okay now i take back what i said that that uh, that's a very fitting lead into them being in hell at the end yeah all right. It played sort of like I think part of this was just the budget, but it played kind of like a, a play you'd see on Santa Monica Boulevard or something like a kind of a bit a bit too preachy, a bit too. But the doctor in it, little fun fact, you know who she was? No, she was. Uh, she's the lady on the episode of the Golden Girls when Dorothy's son uh, comes in and says he's marrying. He's getting married and then he turns out he's marrying an older black woman. OK. And Dorothy's mad that she's like, you can't marry someone this much older than you. Yeah. It's not right. I won't allow it. And then the black family is like, I can't believe she's marrying this skinny little white boy. Right. And then somehow they all put their hate together and bond over being hateful about the union. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, That's that's uh, that's how it all ends up in the end. Probably a more realistic portrayal of how that would go down. (laughs) Um, I was, I was very, very impressed by Tales from the Hood. I thought, especially just even looking at the cover of it, I thought I knew what I was going to get with it. I thought it was going to be like that Snoop Dogg horror movie, which I have not seen. Bones. My own Hood of Horror. Hood of Horror. Uh, What's Bones then? Bones is the one where Snoop Dogg like comes back and is like a Jason or something. Okay. Uh, Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror is a hood horror movie yeah um an anthology hood horror movie how's that it's fun i mean i you know it's enjoyable it does not have the weight or 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 you know commentary that yeah tales from the hood does it also features jason alexander okay playing a record executive sure and for some reason he's doing an australian accent oh no and you can tell that he was just like 
I'd like to do this accent. He insisted on it, yeah. Um, but it's it's not a bad film. It's it's a fun watch. Um, I thought Tales from the Hood, especially paired with the great documentary on the new Blu-ray, uh, was really great. When they talked to the writer and Rusty Cundiff together, their intentions for this thing were like, you know, the intentions of all the great horror movies. They really had some stuff to say. And if they hit it a little too on the head at times, which they probably do, it, it didn't bother me. I thought it was really, really uh, something deeper and meatier than it had to be, A, and I think that's the reason that people still talk about it to this day. We're also going to do Tales from the Hood 2, which I think they have even more to talk about now. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, we'll probably do that next week. Um but I agree with you. I, 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 regardless of things being directly on the nose at times, it, it, it does not harm the film in any way. No. Uh, and I was very wrong about it. I, 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 and I can admit when I'm wrong. I, by the way, I thought Clarence Williams was hilarious. I thought he was too. Yeah. But I, the, I first watched this thing when I was in college, and I thought, I didn't get it. I mean, there's no right. other way to put it. I just didn't get it. I, yeah. I thought it was supposed to be serious. Uh, and then... Clarence Williams threw me off, and then from there on out, I I was just kind of off the track, and and I, I didn't I didn't understand it, admittedly. Uh, upon rewatch last night, I I truly truly enjoyed it. It's actually a film that I do want to own uh-huh. now. I would like so maybe I'll buy that Scream Factory, and I'm excited to see Tales from the Hood too, um, <clears throat> which uh, like I said, will or Pat said, excuse me, we'll, we will review that next week. Yeah, and it's available on demand. You can get it on Amazon or on your local on-demand DirecTV, whatever. By the way, uh, we almost forgot to talk about the coolest part of the movie. Uh, it's Wings Hauser, by the way, is the name of the the like main asshole cop, like yeah. the biggest one. He's yeah. like the meanest. That guy's a real prick in this movie. That's a great name, though. He Wings has been Hauser. He has been in so many fucking movies. That guy. Where As else? has the uh, the racist in prison. I've seen him in a million things, too. Wait, what would you say? The racist in, in the prison scene at the end. I've seen him in a million things, too. Oh, okay. They're actually similar actors, similar faces. Uh, Dwayne Whitaker popped up in here, who is Zed in Pulp Fiction. That's right. That's what that was interesting. Roger Guinevere Smith was in this, who is an excellent actor. Uh, he's in Deep Cover. He plays the crackhead. I love Deep Cover. I love Deep Cover too. He's in Malcolm X. He plays the guy that yeah. like heads up the gang with Malcolm. Uh, he he's awesome in, in almost everything he's in. Well, in everything he's in. Well, he's the guy from Do the Right Thing too, the handicapped guy, right? Yes. Yeah, that's a a, a ballsy and very great performance. Rosalind Cash is the woman from the Golden Girls, and she plays the doctor. Yeah. Joe Torre was was great. Baseball uh, manager Joe Torre. He was really funny. He's a comic. Of course he was. David Allen Greer, as you said, was great. Everybody was great. It was a really, really well-done film. Um, I look forward to seeing the sequel. And before we wrap it up, I want to mention what I thought was the coolest part of the movie. When Clarence Williams says to them at the end, this isn't a funeral home, you're in hell, as they stand next to their own coffins, you know, of course the funeral home transforms into hell. Mm -hmm. And that's fine, but Clarence Williams turns into the devil and I got to say, legitimately a very scary-looking devil. Yeah. It's a very frightening devil. Yeah, it's weird to, to hinge that much on special effects when you clearly don't have a budget, but they really made it work, and it was very cool. 
I liked I liked the kind of homespun quality that certain horror has, and this one felt cheap but not uh, shitty. You know, like everything felt like it was done with a lot of care and love. Well, and they and had that, something to say, and have been you know they had a lot to say. And that's the uh, and that to me is, therein lies the beauty of horror for me versus sci-fi or fantasy or whatever. You know, I love all the genres, but. I feel like horror, you can make a homespun horror movie, and it's it's great. Yeah. And it doesn't matter that people don't take... It's like just like with comedy. People don't take the genre seriously for some reason. Yeah. Um, every once in a while, they will. And right. give a nod to something like Get Out or The Exorcist. But these are these are movies that are, in my opinion, clearly passion projects. And I think it's cool that they're off the beaten path and a little under the radar. Yeah. Um, and that they have this quality to them. So it's a fun flick. Uh, check it out. That's I, our show. Uh, yes, I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Patrick Walsh. Cool Kids premiere September 28th on the Fox Network. Our live show is October 20th at 7.30 and then again at 9.30. Two different shows. These shows will be available as podcasts, but you're going to want to be there live. Uh, they are both sold out. There may be a standby line. Keep watching for that. See You in Hell pod on Instagram has a lot of great fan art and news. The We'll See You in Hell Facebook page is always a delight. Um, thank you to Emily and to Ken for running that so well. Yes. Check out the merch the Hoghouse page on Etsy. Just search the Hoghouse on Etsy. And Joe, what do you got? Well, I'll be in China and Japan uh, from like, I guess it's like the 18th of September through the 28th or something. Uh, then I go down to Atlanta for the Red Clay Festival. Um, and I will be doing Shanghai and Tokyo, by the way. Those are the cities I'm doing in China and Japan. Red Clay Festival, last Sunday of September, I will be doing two shows, 7 and 9.30 at the Earl Uh to record my latest hour. I'm just going to do this one as as an as an album again. Uh and possibly, well, I'll get into the other possible stuff later. But anyway, this is uh this is uh exciting. I'm I look forward to doing the record. I'm recording it exclusively for Sirius XM Radio. That's the only place it will be released. Um and uh it's going to be a fun project. I haven't done anything like this before. So that's it. Jodorosa Comedy on Instagram. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. And we'll t- talk to you in hell. Hey.